Hi, welcome to the Four Teachers podcast. Michaela here with you. Last week, James from ArchD and CESA's gifted education advisor, Dr. Rebecca Napier, spent the day in conversation with gifted ed teachers from all around Catholic schools in Adelaide about their experiences in this area, their journey and what they've learned along the way. There was so much great stuff that we've released these as an entire series of podcasts. Check out the show notes for links to all of the episodes. Emma and Patrick join us. Welcome, guys. Thank you Thank very much you. for being Thank here you. today. Uh, Patrick, we'll start with you, if that's okay. Can you tell us a bit? Well, first tell us um, uh, where, what school you're at, what year levels you're currently teaching. Oh, maybe we'll start with that. That might be a good beginning. Yeah, sure. So um, I work at Kildare College, mm-hmm. uh, which is a same-sex all-girls school in Holden Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, I'm teaching Year 8 Humanities and English and Year 12 English Literary Studies. Okay. Have you been there for, for a while? Uh, so I've been there for a year and a half. So this is my second year with them. Okay, cool. Can you tell me um, like the story of how you first became connected to the field of gifted education? Yeah, of course. So when I was completing my master's dissertation at the University of Adelaide, uh, focused on gender equity. Uh, and one of the focuses on that was uh, how students perform their gender, basically, and how that intersects with uh, giftedness and highly abled students. Um, so since coming to Kildare College um, and I've taken on the key teacher role for gifted education, um, I've really been channeling that in. With yeah. It. Yeah. And so what was it about um, looking into that idea of gifted education? Was there, was there kind of like a moment where the idea, the, the, the theories and, and what you could possibly bring to it kind of spoke to you? Was there a particular moment you could tell us about? Uh, well, I think having... Having taught in a year eight class where there was such a large degree of um, readiness and mastery of the content itself, um, I guess being able to teach to the whole class and having a focus on inclusivity really spoke to me in I guess the field of gifted education. So um, that and having leadership that have really empowered me as a early career teacher yeah. um, have sort Excellent. of led me into gifted education. Emma, thank you very much for joining us That's as right, well. It's great you. to have you here. Um, could you tell us first um, what, what school you're at and, and what year levels you're currently teaching? Sure. So I'm at uh, Christ the King School at Warradale. Mm-hmm. So we're a small, small Catholic school. Um, I've been there for three years now. Um, I'm the inclusive ed coordinator and also the leader of learning. Um, and I suppose this is sort of my um, sort of second journey into um, looking at children who are gifted. Okay, tell us how that journey began. If you, if we were, to, if we were to do a movie about your journey into, Very unusual movie. here we go, here we go. If we were to do a movie. It's it's a bit niche. It's a bit okay, niche. No, no okay. doubt about it. Uh, but if we were to do a movie about your journey into gifted education. Mm-hmm. What would scene one be? So I suppose it's probably when I started off teaching and that was probably looking at 12, 14 years ago. Um, And uh, at my last school, um, I had two gifted children in my class. They weren't um, formally identified children, um, but you could very clearly see that they were very, very capable and very, very capable across the whole curriculum. And for me, that was the first learning point of how am I going to best... Um, encourage these children to meet their meet their you know their top point in their learning. Mm. So for me, that was not knowing a lot about gifted education at all, and I suppose it was looking at well, 
my my first headset was I'm going to give them as much as I can give them, as in yeah. lots and lots <laughs> of work. Yeah. So you do lots and lots of work, and you're going to get better at it. Yeah. Um, and then sort of I've you know sort of come full swing now. It's actually not about that. What um, is it about? So it's actually about looking at the learner of what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are they, what are their interests, and pushing them in that direction and making sure that they're engaged the whole time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not about um, sending them home with copious amounts of work. It's about looking at how I can best suit their needs and push them in direction. Also thinking about the other layers that come with them, like social skills, like being able to interact with others, self-esteem, and also, you know, at the moment we're looking at um, working with children who've also got a disability as well as being gifted. Yeah. So it's also, you know, looking at all those layers as well. Okay. Excellent. We call that twice exceptionality. That's, That's right. And I've learned that term. term. That's a new term. I've learned that too. <laughs> um, and people are really surprised when they know that children can have a disability mm-hmm. and be gifted. Like those two things can happen at once. Um, and it's lovely that it's called twice exceptional. Mm. I think that's a really nice term. Mm. Mm. So I'm wondering if, Patrick, you'd like to talk to us about what do you notice about gifted students in terms of their personal traits? Like what stands out? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, because I've got year eights and year twelves, I kind of do see uh, both ends of the spectrum, as we were talking about earlier. Um, So the year 12 English Lit class being the most advanced English class, um, I guess you do see those students who fulfill the traditional conception of giftedness in uh, that they're highly academic, they're creative, they're critical thinkers, uh, highly inquisitive. Um, whereas in my year eight class, there are still those students in there as well. Um, but I would also add to that, um, that there is an area of um, disengagement at times. Uh, they can become easily bored if the content is not challenging enough or relevant to them. Uh, so in terms of qualities, I would say it, it, it's very broad mm. in terms of what it can be. But um, looking at different year levels, I would say earlier years, um, what I would look for is uh, easily disengaged, um, whereas in the higher levels there is still that. But mm. in my experience, it has been um, that they fulfill the traditional um, conceptions of giftedness. Mm. And Emma, what do you think? I, I would know com- we've yeah, I would completely closely. agree with Patrick. Um, obviously, I'm at the lower end um, where I think we've got um, a year two student, we've got a year four student and a year five student, and they don't actually understand. So they don't understand. They've got, they've got this gift and they've got this talent, but they don't actually understand that um, they are different and it's actually okay to be different. Mm. So you it's a big see, step, isn't it? Absolutely. The whole it's okay. You, see, um, you might see layers of poor behaviour. You might see anxiety, and that's what we see a lot at the moment. Um, we also see that whole self-esteem of being accepted with other with their peers, um, and you also find that they engage really well with adults. So when they're having conversations with adults, you can trail off and go in a great direction, but with their peers, because their thinking is a lot more mature, they do struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the age of the student is very much um, shows what sort of traits they. Mm. Deliver great. What do you think? We'll, we'll start with you this time, Emma. What mm-hmm. do you think gifted students need most? There's there's a lot there's a lot of things that um, um, you know, twice exceptional students, Absolutely. exceptional students of any mm-hmm. kind require. If you had to name though the thing that they need the most, what do you think it is? Perhaps something that people wouldn't expect even. I think they need relationships. 
So I think they need, and me as a teacher, they need a relationship. If you know, if I'm their sole teacher, they need a relationship with me. They need someone who understands them, um, and they need someone who's willing to delve into where their interests are, um, where they need support, so the areas of weakness as well, um, and someone who is going to walk side by side with them um, in the direction of their choice. So it's a really, I think it really needs to be a supported effort. And it also needs to be a wraparound effort as well with parents too. Yeah. So you need to have parents on board working with you as well to understand, um, you know, how to best support their child. Um, so, yeah, we like to term it as a wraparound um, sort of family yeah. around the child um, to, to the reach their most potential. This is interesting because this does sound like a long way from where you began, the idea Absolutely. of piling the work Absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> was, was there a particular moment when you realised what you just said, that thing that's most important, where you just went, okay, no, it needs to be about this? I think probably um, when I first began at the school I'm at at the moment, I actually did my own sort of research into gifted children because I found we, we came across, I came across in my role as leader of learning uh, these children who were capable learners, but there were also gaps in their learning too. So um, I did some, my own um, research into how I could best um, benefit them and then also working with Rebecca, um, it was sort of my mindset of, and, you know, the feedback that she gave me was my mindset changed of, okay, these students need to be pushed in a direction but not... Um, you know, have them sitting every Saturday afternoon doing copious amounts of work yeah. and study. Um, and that they are, you know, their personality within them is something that they have to be happy with and they have to be happy within themselves to make the most of, um, you know, their gifted ability. Yeah. Beautifully put. For you, Patrick, you know, looking at the, at the secondary side, does that resonate with you or are there other things as well that you kind of go, you know what, there are other things that really do need to be at the top of the pile in terms of priorities? Mm. I actually completely agree with Emma, even though it is a different context in terms of primary and secondary. I think that um, really explicitly teaching social skills and communication skills because um, mm. um, gifted students can really see themselves as different and that might create an environment where they are actually othered in the classroom by um, students who uh, do have quite well-developed communication skills um, and see them as different. Uh, so I think they are at risk of that, especially as they can come across as quite intense at times um, and perhaps looking for quite a lot of positive reinforcement from their teacher, especially if they're not receiving it from their peers. Mm. So I think mm. that they do need, essentially, um, as Emma said, people who care about them, that care enough to... Um, because we're similar, um, really enact that wraparound approach of looking at well-being, the family, yeah. um, as well as the academic and um, educational achievement and growth as well. Can you talk me through what that actually looks like in a day-to-day -day context? Because it sounds like you are balancing um, two very different um, um, kind of sets of needs in the classroom at, at one time. I mean, you're talking about this kind of uh, this intensity and I'd love to, to, for you to break down what that means as well, like what that actually looks like. And then how do you, from like um, actually a classroom teacher point of view, manage that in a day-to-day -day way? Yeah. So that's a very good question. So um, I have a student in my year eight hums class who I'm very confident is gifted. Um, and she does um, constantly put her hand up. She's constantly looking for that positive reinforcement. Um, but alongside that as well, she is highly intense. Um, and the rest of the class who are at a stage in their development where they are concerned about um, 
fitting in mm. with other students, yeah. um, that can come across as strange to them that yeah. um, a student would actively seek out uh, the teacher's approval rather than the approval of their peers. So that's quite strange to them. Um, and for the teacher, at least for us at Kildare College, that does become something to watch out for in terms of um, that wraparound approach. So um, we're very big on positive education at um, Kildare College. So for us, it becomes a holistic approach more than anything else of in the classroom, making sure that we are taking care of the student, perhaps through seating plans, uh, pre-arranged groups, um, through explicitly teaching how to communicate in groups and in discussion to ensure that those students aren't put off from each other, but also to ensure that the gifted students are being extended and have the opportunity to excel. Brilliant. Mm. I love your concept of othered. I haven't heard that term and I've heard a lot of terms in this field, but I think that's really interesting how you talked about they become othered amongst their peers. And I'm wondering when you think of the actual label, the concept of giftedness, I'd love to know how you both feel about how accepted that is, both in schools or in society at large. I don't I don't think it's completely understood. Um, I think um, at the moment, especially in Catholic education, it's it's quite new. Um, and I know obviously this is the first time we've had an advisor in the role, which is fantastic because I think it's an area that's sort of just floated along and it's been sort of up to the school to um, support the students without having that, you know, expertise um, involved. Um, but I think it's, it's something – I think there's a need – I think in, in looking at our school and our parent body, there's a need to recognise, because we do, I mean, my role as inclusive ed coordinator, we do recognise students with a disability and how we can best support them, but we don't always recognise those children who are at the top end who are gifted. Um, and I think it's it's great that we're now working towards, you know, within our school having um, a program where we recognise them, um, we work with them, we support the families, and that will continue hopefully to be a journey for us where Excellent. each year we look at recognising those students and how we can best support them. Mm, yeah, I, you, I completely agree. Um, I think that um, up until recently, particularly um, in our area of Adelaide, um, gifted education has been something that has probably been a lower priority um, just because we're looking at students who have quite complex um, learning needs potentially due to a disability. Um, So I think that it is an absolutely necessary field for schools to get on board and actually try and differentiate the curriculums to help these students. Um, And I actually think that the term or label gifted carries varying connotations with it where Mm. you know people in the field know that it is potentially a student in need of extension which is um, a term that I quite like Um, whereas uh, families might not know um, that context of it and probably have more of an image of a janitor that looks like Matt Damon solving maths (laughs) problems so um, that's it yeah, I think the language is important in approaching families as well, but it is absolutely an area uh, that requires further attention in schools. Um, from your particular uh, school's perspective, uh, Patrick, like, do you? Um, we, we've already talked about the kind of the things that you do and the strategies that, that you've employed as as a teacher in in that way. And thanks very much for going into that detail; that was excellent. Um, but from a school perspective. What do you think that your school does particularly well in um, in working with gifted students and their families? And is there some sort of scaffolded 
procedural program that has developed out of all of that kind of stuff where these things are identified and then and then work through in a in a methodical way yeah so i think the thing that our school does very well is uh, actually engaging with the students and ensuring that there is student agency in everything that we're doing, uh, whether that is the uh, development or construction of co-curricular programs and activities for the students to get on board with. Um, and what's come out of that? Uh, well, uh, from previous initiative, initiatives around gifted education, uh, there has been the development of the debating team, mm-hmm. um, which is run by some phenomenal teachers. Um, Orchid Club as well. Um, of course, I think the chess team is slowly coming up and running. So that is all done in conversation and communication with the students. Um, and so it is their need that has arisen and we have listened and created those programs um, which is really driven by the empathy and the care of the teachers who go out of their way to um, spend their time and volunteer to to do these programs in a way that is student-centered. Mm. So it sounds like there, there has there's a lot of dialogue mm. from a from a teacher and, and school leadership point of view mm-hmm. has that been something that's that's relevant I mean you've only been at the school you said a year and a half so was that something that was already established when you began there or something that's kind of evolved during your time there I think it's always been very strong at Kildare um, that the students do have a voice in their education um, as well as in um, the programs that come about um, so for example in my class for year nine English last year I showed them the achievement standards that we had left for our final unit and I actually asked them, well, what do you want to learn about? This is what we need to achieve. Wow. What do you want to do? And we eventually came up with uh, mystery and true crime podcasting as a unit. Wow. So I approve wholeheartedly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Two thumbs up yeah. there. Two yeah. thumbs up. Heavy foreshadowing. Um, so <laughs> that is just one example, but um, everything that we do is done in consultation with the students. Brilliant. How about for you, Emma? I think for us, it's um, our, our first port of call is meeting with parents. So we recognise we do a lot of data collection. So we do a lot of testing and assessment to see where students are at, and we also go back and look at that history as well of as well um, of the assessments that we collect. Um, and then it's a conversation with parents. So it's saying, you know, what are you recognising at home? What are you seeing within your child? What do you think their strengths and weaknesses are? This is what we're noticing. Um, I think we'd like to work together in collaboration to support the child. Um, So we look at, um, we have a group called the Stretch Group at our school. Um, So we have um, two stretch groups where um, a couple of the students work together with an ESO um, looking at areas that um, they're interested in. So it might be small projects, it might be, um, you know, looking at things like blooms. Um, you know, multiple intelligences, different ways of thinking. Um, but we also, the other element that we have of that is social skills. So we, we look at um, engaging the student in their interest, but we can also see that there is a need for support with their social skills. Mm. Can so you talk a bit about, sorry, about about what that program actually looks like from a um, from a step-by-step process? Absolutely. So the stretch group, first we, we look at um, gathering some information about the student. So because the students that I work with, because I'm not actually a classroom teacher, I work with a lot of the students across the whole school, Mm. my leader of learning role. Um, So I work in consultation with a classroom teacher um, so the student is extended in the class with the work that they're doing. However, we sort of feel that that's not enough. So we sort of feel that we need to actually be able to take the students out to give them a chance to head in the direction that they want to, which you can't always do in a classroom. 
Um, so we do a lot of, um, you know, feedback on what are their interests, what are their weaknesses, what would they like to explore more, what are their um, topics of interest. So we look at those and then we come up with um, small different projects across the term. So it could be something, you know, the one of the ones we looked at, one of the students looked at pie. So they wanted to um, investigate pie more and why the why pie. Not the pie you eat. Not the pie you eat. You're talking eat, about 22 over 7, But I'm talking 3.142. Right. Um, so he wanted to explore that more. Um, one of our little boys in year two, um, he's very much into numbers, loves numbers. Mm-hmm. So he looked at Roman numerals. So he um, discovered and he learned that extremely quickly um, as to how to manipulate Roman numerals. So we do little projects along the way um, with what they're interested in. And a lot of the children are, it's maths. It's mm-hmm. an area of maths they're very capable in. Um, but we also find they might be just capable in the area of number, but not necessarily the rest of the areas of maths. Yeah. So as we're going through, we fill in those gaps as well. How about the social skills aspect? How does that work? Social skills have been very important because a lot of these students um, struggle with friendships, struggle, um, you know, communicating clearly with others, you know, creating friendships, asking to play with someone. Um, so we've had to sort of go back and teach them, um, just some things. I mean, across the school we do, um, across the King, we do What's the Buzz. Mm-hmm. So we do that social skills program across our whole school, but we find they need some more um, some more work in that area. So that one-on-one allows them to create social situations together um, where they, they're actually told, well, this is, how we, um, this is how you might ask someone to play. This is how you create friendships. And we also do a lot about feelings. So looking at body language and being able to read body language, being able to read um, how others are feeling by their, their face um, because a lot of time um, they don't understand that. So they're highly intelligent in one area of their life mm. but need support in another area. Mm. Um, so it's sort of I think the, the social skills and the academics sort of work hand in hand for the best well-being of the child. So I'd love to hear from you both. What makes you a good fit for working with these gifted students? I know that's a bit self-reflective. <laughs> I know it's probably not the easiest question and I could give you a cheat sheet but I decided not to. I thought I'd just like to hear from both of you. I'm, um, I'm passionate about seeing children reach their full potential. So um, I think um, I, I'd love to see students happy. Mm. I love to see them thriving in their own environment. Mm. Um, I think the most important thing about a child being at school is that they're happy, they're um, comfortable and they feel safe. Excellent. So um, if, I think if I can achieve that with these children, mm. if I can gain their trust – um, so there's that level of respect, mutual respect. Um, and I think if I build a good relationship with them, then, you know, they're going to, to move forward. Mm. Um, Sounds like your values are driving you strongly. A- absolutely. And it's not, the, it's not the academic performance that I want to see in these children. I want to sure. see them happily and well-grounded and also happy with who they are because I think a lot of the time they doubt themselves. They don't. A lot of children actually don't know they're gifted. They actually mm. don't know that they have these these talents. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important that we recognise that yes, you are different, and it's perfectly okay to be different. Um, and we want to celebrate all that you are. Um, and I'm going to do everything that I can to make you into, you know, the direction that you know the person that you want to go and what direction you want to go in. Great, mm. Patrick. I'm tempted to say that I'm willing to work weekends and that is 
<laughs> Don't say that too loud. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Everyone heard that. Pack yeah. your dogs on the um, okay. Yeah. Sorry, my father's English, so any form of positive self-talk is is a struggle. <laughs> um, it's hereditary. Um, I, I completely agree with Emma. I think that my personal qualities and the qualities of any inclusive education coordinator um, or whatever that role looks like is that you're empathetic. Um, and that you are moraled. Um, and I think something that Emma said um, that really resonated with me is that it's not actually about the academic achievement. It's about everything else. And if anything, the academic achievement is the um, result of um, fulfilling everything else. So um, looking at the behavioural and social needs of the student and actually being empathetic, listening to them and caring about their education and about their development I think that is an essential quality to have in this field. I think we're seeing at the moment a lot of um, development just in just normal mainstream education towards a more capabilities focus. Um, um, teachers and, and, and school leaders seeing really wonderful opportunities in really crafting education around the needs of the student and being a lot more flexible. But in terms of gifted education, the future of that, do you see it moving in a particular direction? Um, like in 10 years time, do you think the future of, of gifted education, do you think it's going to look different in a, in a school setting? Um, well, it's interesting because I am an early career teacher. So I guess my experience and the ability of foresight is very relative. Um, well, in fact, it's actually probably, you're probably ideally placed because mm. you are new to this. The, the, the longer, you know, we, we work in particular areas, we do develop kind of like fixed patterns and, and, and ways in which we're really comfortable to see things run and go, yes, I've, I've got consistency. Essentially, you're at that very early stage where you can see things with those fresh, those fresh eyes and that fresh perspective. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see because uh, our school and the framework that we're developing, um, myself alongside um, my uh, or the gifted education committee that we have at the school, um, our focus is more around differentiation and well-being. Um, but I know that other schools in their contexts will be around tailored programs. Um, so I think it'll be very interesting. I have listened to a, a podcast recently that said that the ultimate goal is to have no gifted students and that everyone is either raised to a certain level or um, that the, the label of it is um, eventually uh, distinguished in a way. So, um, or extinguished. So I think, as I said, it's very difficult for me to say, but I think ideally uh, we move to a place where everyone is given that equal opportunity or on the same basis of education. Right. So, so building on that, we've had a lot of changes in education in the last year. Clearly there's been some major shifts to online learning and different platforms being used. Do you think this will be integrated into how we start meeting the needs of our on-site students or how that perhaps opens up opportunities to network with other um, schools or? Yeah, I think um, having come into the role, I will say that it is a very exciting place to be. Um, and I think the more traction that it gets, the more momentum is being picked up, at least in our area and in our school. So the more that each school takes it seriously um, in our area, um, I think the more attention it's going to be given as well. So I think it will become later integrated into online learning programs and it will become more integrated into tailored programs at schools and into differentiated curriculums as well, which is what we're doing. So I think, 
yes, absolutely, it will become an area that is given significantly more attention from all schools, not just, um, I guess, more elite schools in Adelaide. Yeah. Great. How about for you, Emma, in the primary space? And let's just say you've got the power to control <laughs> 10 years. You, you put in charge essentially of crafting primary gifted education. You've been given a 10-year deadline. Okay. On your vision board. All right. What's, think- what pictures are on there and how are they connected together with the pieces of cotton? Okay. I think at the moment it's very early. So I think particularly with primary schools, we're at that point where we're – um, recognising children that are gifted. So I think that's the first port of call is we actually need to recognise right. these children. Mm. And we need to do that through a variety of different ways, whether it be through assessments, whether it be through conversations. Um, we need to find who, the, who these children are because I don't think in the past that's ha- happened. Unless they really significantly stand out, I think they've just been seen as a stronger student in the class. Right. So I think the first step for primary schools is actually recognising and then saying – well, we need to support these children to move forward because um, I think it's just been a part of they just stay they just stay in the classroom. The teacher extends them, um, and there's not a huge amount of conversation and um, with with the parents. It's just we know that your child is quite quite um, you know academically clever, um, and we will extend them as we go through. I think we actually need to work now. The next step is to identify them, to work with the students, to work with the family, and find out what skills they do have, but also what skills they don't have, yeah. um, and how we can best support them in becoming a a well-rounded person, um, ensuring that I think if their well-being is in the right place, then they're going to, you know, move forward a lot quicker um, than what they normally would. So recognition is really important. Schools saying, yes, we're going to come on board um, and we're going to see this as an important part um, of our school um, because we do put um, we do put a lot of time and effort into um, the area of inclusive education, which is fantastic, and I think that's really moving in a really positive um, direction. But there's also you know other groups of children in the school that have just got um, you know the same sort of needs, just at a different level. Mm. Um, so it, I think it's very for primary schools, it's very new. Um, and it's something that um, I think teachers need to be educated on as well. Mm. Teachers need to understand what it's all about. Um, and I don't think that's happened in the past. Yeah. Okay. Exciting times ahead yes. then. <laughs> so speaking of the future, now we're going to take you back to the past. I mm. want you to both reflect on your first real experiences with gifted students. If you could go back to your very first early encounters of knowing you were working with gifted students, what piece of advice would you give your former self? Yeah, I'm happy to take that one first. Um, <laughs> um, all the way back. Yes, yes. <laughs> all the years. Yeah. Decades um, back. Yeah, decades. Come on, back yeah. in the day. Um, I think I was similar to Emma in uh, my first um, occasion as a contract teacher, um, just giving students more work rather than more challenging work and seeing um, academic success as the epitome of what we are meant to help them achieve. Um, and I think that I would just grab myself and shake <laughs> shake me um, just to say, actually, that's not what it's about. Um, remember that this is about developing the whole student. Um, it's about caring, essentially. Um, so I think my initial response to myself, um, which would be a very strange conversation to visualise, but... Um, <laughs> 
I think it would go along the lines of uh, remember why you got into education. Um, remember that this is a field that actually rewards altruism and caring rather than um, being market driven in any way. Yep. Beautiful. Thank you. What about you, Emma? What would you say to your former self? I still remember going back to very early on when I came across my first, um, there were two boys gifted students, and I still remember um, reading a story and he'd written, he'd written 10 pages and it was extraordinary. And I just thought, well, maybe he could just read, write some more. He could write another story. Um, and now I look back and I think, well, that probably wasn't <laughs> the right thing for him. So it's sort of looking at, like Patrick said, it's not more. It's not about that, you know, that study, that going home, and the more you can do, the better you're going to get at it. Because gifted children um, learn things very quickly. So they don't need that practice. They don't need that, that time to go over and over and over work to grasp it because they get it really quickly and then they move on. So I suppose it's, it's telling myself that I need to know my students. I need to develop a relationship with them. They need to trust me. They need to know that I care and they need to be um, you know, understanding that I'll listen to them and I'm about, um, I want to develop them as a whole person and tell me what direction you want to go in. So it's, it's student driven um, and I'll be, I'll be there to support you as best as I can. Um, so it's, yeah, it's making sure that, um, you know, in the past we haven't quite recognised these students, but I would say that um, to my former, you know, myself now, it is a very important area that needs to be explored more, understood more and um, recognised more. For the other conversations in this Gifted Education Teachers series, you can find the links in the show notes in this episode. The Four Teachers podcast is produced by James Meston and me, Michaela Howard-Jones, for ArchD Radio and Podcasting. Be sure to check out the other shows on this channel for great content about teachers, by teachers, for teachers.